0: Welcome to more than a few words of marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Round Peg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. And today, it's the 4th of July, and we're not here. But in just in case you were hanging around and really needed a dose of marketing, we thought that we would give you some of the best of MTFW. The last few months we've been running a program called Half-Baked Marketing Ideas where our good friend Stephen Shattuck calls in and we talk about one of his unusual ideas. Today's program we've merged three of our favorites. We hope you enjoy. And be sure to come back next Wednesday at 10.30 when once again we'll be live with another episode of More Than a Few Words. First up is Stephen's suggestion on how we can save the post office.
1: I'm, I'm torn to even go into my ideas because I'm not sure we want to save it, especially after their most recent ad campaign. So they're doing these two TV ads where they're trying to push people to like mail people printed receipts because it's supposedly more secure. And it shows like small business owners like filing away all this paper, like that's a benefit or something. It's just really laughable. And the other one is, They're pushing their, like, direct mail, junk mail services, basically. So those are their half-baked ideas of how to save themselves, which I think is just hilarious. Um,
2: I I think one of the the, problems with that, and I think um, throughout history there are instances where um, a dying industry tries to hold on. You know, the buggy whip manufacturers trying to convince you that a horse was a better mode of transportation – Right. the people that sold ice blocks trying to convince you that that was a better way to cool your house?
1: Right. So what's the problem? So the problem with them is that mail volume has reduced to the point where they don't have enough um, revenue to keep up with their overhead. Does that make sense? So mail volume drops, their money coming in can't support all these... Um, all of their branches, their physical locations, the amount of mail carriers that, that they have, etc. So my first idea is can we somehow combine services so your mail gets delivered when your trash gets picked up? Or when <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, that would be a huge time saver because if I was home, I could then take the bills in with me and simply toss it, it would just shorten the cycle of direct mail trash right back into the
1: trash <laughs> exactly. exactly exactly and recycling too because you know it's all it's all that paper and so my ninety uh, percent of my mail goes directly into my recycle my physical recycling bin so those things could be combined and those come on two separate days so right there is two out of the six days that delivery uh, happens. So you've cut into a third of it already like that, and, you know, maybe the, the the waste disposal companies could charge the postal service just a minimal fee, but it would be way less than all the, the mail carriers and all the vehicles and all that stuff.
2: You know, I mean, that's so, that, um, not a bad idea. When you first started talking about this, I actually thought a little bit about um, the idea of um, uh, alternating the days that mail is delivered. You know, um, we don't, I mean, we don't get that much mail. Um, No. uh, You know, as a business, that's a little frustrating because um, I love going to the mailbox and getting my checks, but I've been thinking more and more about security and just getting a a post, uh, you know, a P.O. box. And I think one of the things that um, maybe the post office could do is what the utility companies did, which is provide incentives. For uh-huh. people to adopt the behavior they wanted. So the utility company will give me a discount if I'll put controls on my air conditioner when I lived in Texas that would prevent it from cycling all day long. On all three days. So yep. what if, um, I sign up and agree that the post office only has to deliver my mail every other day and if I sign up for that they give me a discount on my P.O. bus or, yep. you know, uh, allow me to buy stamps at a discounted price, something that creates yep. an incentive for me to say, I'll only use your service every other day.
1: I'll take that one step f- further into my second idea, and that's gamification. The, oh, you know, I
2: that's love the post, the post office that. in the game. Certainly nothing with yeah. guns, though. Uh,
1: but it could be like Foursquare, like the heavy volume of, of mail users can like get some sort of points for the amount of letters they send. They get points for the stamps they buy and things like that, you get more points if you send bigger, heavier packages and you can redeem those for like a free book of stamps or or some sort of incentive down the road. So you're sort of like building a community around your more loyal, heavy mail users because I don't think mail volume is going to go back up ever. It's only going to go the decline, right? Or maybe even just kind of stay where it is on the lower end. But it's never going to go back up. So you have to do something to sort of build a community around the people who are sticking with your service.
2: I, I think, you know, I mean, loyalty and frequent flyer programs, restaurants use them, um, yep. airlines use them sometimes badly. Um, but yep. I, I think, uh, you know, ship five packages, get a 6 to one free.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay, so we talked about overhead a little bit with the carriers and the delivery, but what about branches? So why are there separate physical branches? They should put, like, smaller mini branches in places where people already congregate, so the grocery store or the mall, rather than having these separate entities, right?
3: So when you go to the
1: store or you go to the mall for shopping, you can combine your trips, and the postal service would save a huge amount of money and revenue if they just rented out space where the people already are rather than trying to get people to come to these branches, which are way out in the middle of nowhere.
2: And, you know, I think that is actually where the post office has lost a lot of revenue because to fill that void, you got things like the you mail it or the, you know, the UPS stores or um, the FedEx, post locations. Um, yep. Honestly, I mean, quite honestly, when I think I have to mail a package, Nine times out of ten, it's after hours. And so I go to one of those other locations. The only time I have to go to the post office is my son is overseas, and the U.S. government actually has cornered the market. I cannot mail a package to my son unless I send it through the post office. Really? Huh. My son, he's he's, he's overseas, and um, he's at what they call an FPO. I actually mail his packages to somewhere in California, and then they collect all the packages, and then they fly them over and distribute them to the Navy bases throughout Asia. Wow. And so I can't ship to that collection point unless I go to the post office. So um, I think that's probably one area where the post office should actively promote their um, their mail and package services to the military. Yeah. Um, interesting. But then the other thing is, you know, they, they have those after hours automated booths. I think even if they don't put full post offices, you know, you've been in the post office where you kind of put the package down, they have some supplies and you, you mm-hmm. swipe your credit card and you can mail the package. Why don't they just put more of those around? You don't even need real people.
1: Yeah, right, a
3: kiosk.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just adding mail. I mean, if there was a mail kiosk in the mall.
3: Yep. At
2: Christmas time.
3: Yep, exactly. I mean, I
2: buy my gift, set it up side by side with a little gift wrap table for a charity. They can wrap my gift and then put it in a box and i sell me the box right there, and then um, I could ship it from that kiosk. In uh, and, and maybe that's the other thing is that seasonal mail drops. Maybe they don't need yeah. to be in the mall all the time.
1: Yeah, right, right. Just the three months, what, through September through December through Christmas season? Yeah. yeah. That's probably the mail volume time. Or maybe around, like, Valentine's Day they set it up for a couple weeks
2: and mother's day
1: mother's day yep
2: um, if you've got other ideas about what we can do to save the postal service feel free to tweet them and use the hashtag mtfw next up
0: Stephen shares his thoughts on how we can get the community here in indianapolis to once again support the pacers My
2: suggestion is involved in any shape, manner, or form hacking into somebody's computer, we're not going to do it.
1: Okay, and this one doesn't have beer either, which is, uh, I think, the first time for me since I've been doing this. <laughs> I think no you're right. hacking.
3: <laughs> what is okay. this about? So, I have, I have literally, this is the least I've known about any of your ideas. What is going on? Yeah.
1: Okay, so last night, the Pacers uh won their first playoff series in i think 7 years. They beat the Orlando Magic and they are probably going to play the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs.
3: Wait, we have a no. professional basketball team in Indianapolis?
1: Yeah. Okay, so you see where this is going. So, we're in the second round of the playoffs and we're attendance is low, right? Uh Bankers Bank Life should be full I for all these games. Yeah. So, how do we get people in the seats? for this second playoff series against probably the Heat in a few days. We're going to have at least two home games, maybe more if we can steal a win or two from the Heat. So I did some straw polling around the office this week, and two reasons why people don't go to Pacers games continually came up, right, almost across the board on all demographics of people I asked. Number one, we don't have a superstar player, right? We don't have a LeBron James or a Derrick Rose or, like, a household name. And then number two, there's still sort of this leftover bad feelings about, you know, when we had that big brawl against Detroit and just people don't feel good about the team. You know, we had some bad personalities or whatever. So my half-baked idea to get people into the seats against the Heat in this series is why don't we invite Andrew Luck, um, the stars of the, of the Fever all the Indiana luminaries to come to the game, not sit in, you know, the the the, the suites up top, but be in the, in the stands. stands. What's that?
2: Did you? Are you thinking you'll put them in the stands?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Jim say it wouldn't. This is a perfect opportunity for Andrew Luck to to okay. get out into the crowd and like really embrace his new city. So let's get these people in the stands and let's get the seats filled.
3: I think that's a fantastic idea. Right now, anything with Andrew Luck, I mean, is, is over the top. But I even love your idea of, of bringing in the Fever, who, who really have seen such a groundswell of support in the past few years. Tamika Ketchings yep. and some of, some of the other really, really talented female players there um, draw fantastic crowds for the WNBA. So obviously, it's not that people don't like basketball. I think you're right. It's all of these, this lingering resentment from from yep. Ron Artest, I'm sorry, Meta World Peace, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> it's keeping people from going back. I also really yeah. like the idea,
2: um, and not just keeping it limited to to sports. I mean, we have celebrities yep. in all shapes and sizes in the city, yep. and um, almost, you know, aim um, of it. Um, Not just, you know, the fact that you might be sitting next to one of these people in the stands. Um, I saw something like a a scavenger hunt in uh, 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 Broad Ripple. It was a photo scavenger hunt, and you had so much time, a couple of hours, to wander around Broad Ripple and take so many pictures. Why not have a uh, halftime activity that puts people in the stands trying to get photographs of some of the celebrities? I'm not sure encouraging stalking. It's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know, but think about it. People are taking photos, and the whole thing is they've got to take it and tweet it during the game. I think there's some severe
3: logistical uh, issues <laughs> with that. Do um, really have any fun? I am the fun yeah. police. This is entirely Yeah, true. you are. <laughs> <laughs> but you I, I think the water water of, man, oh, a get great get, idea. You yeah, have another half-baked marketing thing. idea for bringing people back to the uh, field house.
1: Yeah, that's true. A photo scavenger hunt?
3: Yeah. Yeah, you, um, so what do you, okay, Allison
2: has poo-pooed it, but what do you think?
1: Oh, I like it. I think it's fine.
2: Well, I would be fine if it weren't people. Well, but I I think that's the whole point is you're having, it's like like, Where's Waldo? Yes, because you're, you're, um, you're, uh, bringing the celebrities to the game. And so people will come to the game. For the chance to maybe sit next to one of the celebrities,
3: but then are you making it too much about the celebrities and not about the people? I mean, maybe the celebrities are what gets them in the door, but devoting halftime to stalking the celebrities instead of something related to that. Like, I know anything about basketball, but something related to the game. <laughs> well, is that not counterproductive? I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, look
2: at the Super Bowl. Why, why do you have. Um, Janet Jackson
3: losing her top at a Super Bowl event, it's not about football. Well, because people are already there, though. I mean, this is about rebuilding the fan base for the team, whereas the Super Bowl has no such
2: issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'm sitting at home. Uh, maybe I missed the promotion um, of them being there at the first game, and I see all this activity on Twitter and all these photos being shared. Yep. Um, wouldn't that create more buzz? And maybe... You know, uh, the other thing is um, maybe we get some former um, Pacers who we actually like, Reggie Miller. You know, to be in the stands as well. Reggie Miller,
1: Detlef Schrempf, yeah, those all—all these guys need to be here. This is like the Indiana solidarity. Like we're putting the past behind us from the last seven years of the Pacers. We're all in this together. Let's beat the Heat.
3: So, what other idea do you have?
1: That's my only one. I thought, it would be, I thought it was a pretty big one.
3: <laughs> That's a pretty big one, and, and it's, it's interesting to see. You know, another thing that we could do is, and I've read some of these same articles talking about this attendance problem. They've been all over the news lately. And one of the things people say is that Indianapolis is too much a college and high school basketball town. To really give, right. one of the arguments people have been using is that they're too much of a college and, and high school basketball town to really give the Pacers much time. So what if we didn't bring in some of those superstars? If we didn't bring in the Butler men's team, if we didn't bring in, um, yeah. you know, maybe the Mr. Basketball, whoever he may be, he may be in sheep, the, the Miss Basketball as well, What if we didn't bring those in, of course, blue, um, everyone loves Butler blue at a game. So why not get right. those local teams involved and try to trade on some of that cachet? Yeah.
1: I don't know what it is about the Pacers. I think with the, the the college and high school, like, you have the alumni base, right? So you have that crazy passion because you went to the school or there was some connection. But with a, a an MBA team, there is no, like, alumni. Like, no one used to go to Pacers University or was a Pacer or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's on. But you're right. I mean, all those people should be there.
2: I also think – and um, I remember uh... – you know, when the cults get, you know, to the playoffs, um, companies have, you know, casual Blue Friday and you can wear jeans yep. if you're wearing, mm-hmm. you know, cults colors. And maybe we try to get um, something like that going on and, again, um, tying back into social, taking photos of yourself in Pace Colors, taking photos, you know, yep. and sharing that um, and having pages on you know, to engage the fans. Um, I think that's the thing that I don't see the, the Pacers doing right now is really engaging with their fans.
1: Yep, and crowdsourcing the content.
2: Next up,
0: Stephen shares his ideas on how we can improve the NPR pledge drives.
1: It's everyone's favorite week this week. It's the NPR Pledge Drive Week. So if uh, you're a public radio listener, you've had your programming interrupted by some banal chit-chat from people who want you to give the public radio.
3: My iPod's been working out
1: Yeah, I bet it has. Before I jump into this, this is all for fun. I am a supporter of public radio. Please don't write a blog post about me. But
2: Okay, we have yeah, some, again, in case you're curious, me too, and I understand yeah. I'm gonna do
3: the pitch now real quick that Thursday Rocky. Yeah um, for those of you who know 12 oh, so yeah. and video owned by um, our good friend Rocky Walls local video company, they are actually going to be doing a challenge grant Thursday morning in the nine o'clock hour um, here on WSYI, our own local NPR station. So for those of you who like me have not yet given, hold off another day, wait till the nine o'clock hour and support not only a great public radio station but a great local company.
2: Okay, good. So now, Stephen, how do we fix those drives? So, well, let's
1: first talk about the challenge grant. since we mentioned Rocky. So they have a business owner on, I think, like every hour to do a challenge grant. So if, if so many people give $1,000, that company will match that donation, and that's great. That doesn't really get people's juices flowing, I don't think. So what if we incentivize people to give to match that grant? So if everyone gives the $1,000 and matches, you know, Rocky will do something crazy on air or or in person. So there isn't really an incentive to match that grant, other than the money, which they should give anyway. So but if, the, if no, we so if we
2: having Rocky agree to, though um, well, this is probably more a BG Kahuna thing, um, agree yeah. to uh, run around the circle, painted right. differently, wearing
3: stars. Wait, 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 I thought this was something people would want to see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or maybe if you match the grant not to happen either Rocky,
3: kahuna pretty much anybody i don't need to see run around in their skivvies
1: and maybe you do it you maybe you're paying for something not to happen so maybe there's an actual consequence to the the pledge drive not being met or that challenge grant Doesn't
3: well, so the consequence do. the radio station goes off the air
1: well i don't know I, I mean they they kind of tiptoe around that but it's never really explicitly said like we are going to have to fire employees or we're not going to be able to play you know, fresh air anymore because we can't afford to buy it. So maybe being a little upfront about the consequences would help.
2: So okay, I'm going to jump over. Um, Christy, I know you. I know this is. I don't want you to wear your marketing hat for a minute. Go back to your corporate marketing days. What would you suggest? <laughs>
4: Oh, wow. Well, you know, I think what's interesting about, you know, public television and radio is that, you know, it's all, you have so many different audiences. And I think a real cool opportunity is to maybe enroll, especially some of the younger audiences, not only in the media, but also, you know, giving. Because we have a lot of young um, wealth and great jobs, and, and our city is just growing as a service-based city, that um, I'd love to see some fun young events that bring in, you know, your 20s and 30s um crowds that, you know, are maybe new to philanthropy and giving in general.
2: Okay, so that, that's a that, great point. That's a fun idea. Stephen, what would you do to um, engage some of the younger folks?
1: Perfect. That brings me to the second idea. So the thank you gifts. The thank you gifts are not that great. So you you pledge $90 and you get like a travel mug or a weather radio or a tote bag. with Okay, that's kind of boring. So how about pledge for Pilsner? So you will get beer if you start.
3: <laughs> I love and that it. Be,
1: that actually wouldn't be too hard to pull off because some company subsidizes those tote bags and travel mugs and all the other stuff. So why not engage a local brewery to say, if you, if you donate, even at the 10 that I think if you donate at the $10 level, come in and get a free beer. So it, you're engaging the younger audience, giving a good thank you gift, and you're sort of opening the door to those smaller donations. Because I think the I think the starting donations that they typically ask for is like the $90 level. So if you get into the micro donations, that's a pledge for Pilsner. I think that would help out a lot.
3: Well, I'm not so sure about the pledge for Pilsner, A, because I don't drink beer, and I think there's so much emphasis on beer you forget that a lot of people still don't drink beer. Um, and the other thing is I'm not sure that's legal. In the state of Indiana, with our um, interesting and um, quaint liquor laws. But I think that you're to yeah. a great idea with the micro lending. We're seeing so much of a move towards that. Kickstarter, of course, that mm-hmm. has online service that lets you donate any amount of money to see various charitable and creative works happen. Um, things like Kiva, which are micro loans to people um, mm-hmm. in developing countries. And so I think that sometimes there's so much of an emphasis. You know, they talk about. Oh, you can give it the visionary circle level, which is five hundred to right. nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars. I'm like, I can give five dollars a month. That's not enough. I think sometimes there's so much emphasis on mm-hmm. the big donations that you forget that you know pennies build a dollar, and dollars build the station.
2: Well, and I think um, if you can't give away beer, maybe you give away cupcakes. Um, and Cupcake. Yeah. You know, or mm-hmm. um, you know, fried Twinkies because we seem to like those as well. Um, but you know, maybe you get a couple of food vendors who um, are looking for a little bit of promotion, and in exchange yep. for free on-air promotion, they donate a certain amount. Um, and I think I, I think this, this pledge drive—they're pushing donations on the website more than they ever have. But you know, maybe yeah. create an offline. Event where they take instead of doing the pledge drive in the studio, they take it somewhere. Take it to the IUPUI campus. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. it to um, the circle at lunchtime and get you know have a booth where people can stop by and for a twenty-five dollar pledge they get a cupcake. You know, yep. so even if you have to buy the cupcakes, you're still coming out. I'll do anything you know, for ahead. a day have cupcakes. Yeah, <laughs> at Alice's cheese yeah. comes to cupcakes. But um but I think that um I, I think kind of two things. One tapping into um our city's love of food, but also turning it into a little bit of an event.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I
2: mean yeah, not okay, okay, really only remember oh, sorry. Go ahead Please.
4: Go ahead Christy. Oh, I was just going to say, remember, I think that, especially for targeting younger people, we're more experience-oriented. You know, we were the kids of the mm-hmm. last key parents who just bought us stuff. So the last thing we want is more stuff, but we now live for experiences. So, you know, teaming up with maybe IndieHub to create an experience for the givers. I think, you know, selling philanthropy and giving and then creating experiences is that thank you. Because, you know, most of your 20s and 30s, you know, they don't want any more stuff. They live for the experiences.
3: And I will say WFYI does do many of these things that we're talking about. They will set up in various restaurants and solicit donations there. I think that they do have an under-40 professional group um, where, for instance, they have uh, one of the local shows is the uh, Blues House Party. I believe that last time they had a pledge, there was a Blues House Party uh, donor event for under-40 professionals who donated. So they are actually doing a lot of things that we're talking about.
2: Yeah. But then I think um, also to that next generation, I, I mean, we've got several college campuses here in Indianapolis. You've got IUPUI, Butler, and the University of Indianapolis. Why not do on the campus? Mm-hmm. Okay, folks, I'm getting the warning that we're running out of time. As always, this is so much fun. Christy, thanks for participating in the call and staying with us through the half-baked marketing idea. Um, Stephen, um, thank you, thank you for another lively topic. Sure. We hope that you've enjoyed
0: the best of our half-baked marketing ideas. We're going to have another one live next Wednesday at 10.30, so be sure to check back. And in the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, web design, and social media, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.